So, $11.2 million. Imagine with me for a second that you go right now, log on to your online banking, and somewhere comes $11.2 million. Okay, maybe it's far-fetched. But what do you do with it? If you have $11.2 million, what are you going to do with it? Anybody? Donate it, all right. Anybody else? Matt's pursuing his, his long life dream to get a old school Jeep Wagoneer. <laughs> yes. So yeah, maybe we give it away. Um, I'm probably paying off some student loans. Um, maybe we buy a sweet car, not driving a 2000 model with 200,000 miles on it anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, so here's the crazy thing. There's actually a headline this week. The headline reads, nicest Canadian couple in the world. <laughs> Sorry, Ann, Seth, you guys lost the title. Um, there are Canadians among us, and that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> so, nicest Canadian couple in the world. They actually won the Canadian lottery, $11.2 million. And so, it makes the headline... Because they gave it all away. They gave it to family members. They gave it to their church, other area local churches. I like that idea. So um, if <laughs> they give it to like two pages worth of charities that they list out. So this makes a headline because why? It's out of the ordinary. We don't often see that people just totally give these things away. And as I hear this story, it makes me think of my own my own desire. Like, what if I were rich? Like, I would love to be that guy that drops a check, like 500 here, 1,000 there, just giving money away. The extreme makeover home edition, right? Like, let's give somebody a house. That's like, if, if I could dream big, like, I would just give all of this stuff away, right? So I wish that I had all of this that I could give away. But so, this is the picture of, of generosity, right? People are giving all of this money away, large sums of money. <coughs> but what if, there, what if there might be something deeper? What if there's another way of, of looking at generosity? Is there, is there something that could be more generous than giving away $11 million? I think scripture gives us a picture of just that. If you want to turn with me over to, to Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 45, we actually, actually get what I think is a picture of possibly a deeper generosity than giving away $11 million. So here we go, starting in verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. And watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came in and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, he said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has, has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth. But she gave out of her poverty put in everything that she had. 
all she had to live on. So I imagine this scene, right? Um, Jesus and the disciples kicking it in the back pew of the temple. And Jesus is like, boys, you're going to want to catch this. So, like, the, the disciples are all looking intently down front, right? And so all these people are putting in money, and they're expecting to see somebody drop a couple Gs. And so what they see is a widow with two small, what they're called mites, just copper coins worth a fraction of a penny. Jesus calls their attention to it, points out the fact that, that this is better than those other people giving of, of their abundance, giving all of this money. How hard is it? How hard is it to give from a place of poverty? I mean, this lady probably had bills to pay, had to get food to eat, right? So... Just thinking from my own experience, when things get tight, what's the first thing to go? My first instinct is let's cut what we're giving away. But but we see the <laughs> we see the other the other folks giving out of their abundance, right? And so they're probably thinking like we've got to make our ten percent. So these guys are calculating out their ten percent. A lot of us do that as we're as we're tithing to the church, like we calculate 10%. And so these guys are giving so much money away, calculating out their simple 10%. But this lady comes along, she drops two small coins in the temple treasury and totally reshapes what it looks like. Generosity is so much more than just tithing. Some of you are probably sitting here thinking, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I knew at some point they were going to get up here and they were going to start talking about money. Uh, some of you are probably here for the very first time and all of your worst fears of the church are being realized, right? And you're like, man, I, I don't want to go to church and I don't want anything to do with church because all they want is my money. And, and it seems like on TV and everywhere I turn, they're always trying to just squeeze me of the little bit that I have. Um, let me just start off by saying that we are incredibly sensitive to, to that mindset. We are incredibly sensitive to the terrible reputation that a lot of people associate with the church when it comes to money and when it comes to wanting our money. Um, so, so we just want you to know, like, we are not up here just flippantly talking about money. Um, we enter into this with a lot of sensitivity, with a very heightened sense of, of, of understanding that. And we want to be extremely, extremely careful when we talk about these things. So, so we are not in any way, this is not an attempt. This is not an attempt to fill the baskets today. Okay. This is not an attempt to fill the baskets. What we are trying to do is look honestly at Scripture. And one of the part of the framework through which Scripture teaches us that our hearts are shaped into the likeness of Christ is to embrace this spirit and this life of generosity. And it's inescapable through Scripture. So we are very sensitive to that. But we are also extremely sensitive to what Scripture has to say. 
And we know that throughout Jesus' teaching, he again and again, he comes back to the topic of money, just as he does in this story. So why? Why does Jesus want my money? Why is Jesus so, <laughs> why is Jesus so obsessed with our money? Well, the deal is Jesus is not obsessed with our money. We are obsessed with our money. And Jesus knows that far too well. And so it's not that Jesus wants our money. That's not why he talks about it so much. Jesus doesn't want our money. Jesus wants our hearts. And he understands completely how intricately, how intimately our hearts and our money are tied into each other. That's why he says in that famous uh, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, he says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. That's where your heart's going to be. So what is your treasure? What are the things that you value the most? What is your heart being tied to? So Jesus talks about money simply because he understands that our heart and our money are intimately, intricately intertwined and entangled with each other. And so he cuts right to the heart of the issue. And in this great story, I love it. Uh, and I love the way Justin has kind of this juxtaposition between the $11 million giving away and then this story of this widow who gave the last little bit, a fraction of a penny. We can't even imagine that. A fraction of a penny. And yet Jesus looks at the story and the thing that he honors is it, it, in it is not the obligation that flows out of abundance of the people who gave out of their abundance, but what he honors is the generosity that flows out of sacrifice. And it's beautiful that he lifts this up as the example. And we see Jesus doing this over and over and over again. He takes an old and ancient practice that began with great meaning. The, the idea of the Old Testament tithe or the idea of the Old Testament uh, principle of giving 10% of what you have to God was designed to help teach the people to fashion a generous heart in the people and to fashion a gratefulness in the people. And to take a look back at all that we have and to realize everything I have belongs to God. And so I'm going to give a portion of it back. And so that's what the original thing was. But it became over generations uh, this, this rule and this regulation that people were getting right down to you know the perfect percentages on and it became more about the exact thing that you gave away than it did the heart that was behind it. And so once again, Jesus takes a thing that has lost its life, that's become just going through the motions, and he restores movement to it, right? And he restores, like, the heart behind it. And he takes this idea of the Old Testament giving 10%, and what he does is he raises the bar on it. And he infuses this thing that has become dusty and old with a brand new pulsing heart of the real meaning behind it. And so he says it's not about just what you give, the, the percentage of the amount. What it's about is the generosity of the heart. And he's brilliant at that. He's brilliant at taking what was old and raising the bar on it. And so we look at the Old Testament and we're like, man, we live in a New Testament reality. So the Old Testament rules like, like we're free, right? We're free. And so it's so much easier now. But over and over again, what we see Jesus doing is actually raising the bar and raising the stakes. And so the Old Testament principle is like 
I'm free. I don't have to do it anymore. Woohoo! Right? Okay, so what's the New Testament principle? Let's read up all the way through the New Testament. Oh, wait. It's give all that you have and all that you are. Mm, that one hurts, right? So, everybody awake? Okay, and so, you know, we look at that and we're like, man, Jesus, he does it again and he raises the bar and he infuses this new heart into kind of an old idea. And so what Jesus calls us to, understand this, what Jesus calls us to is not walking the line of some kind of rule or regulation. He's not about that. What Jesus calls us to is to a life of joy in generous giving and generous living. Right? He calls us to this joy that's found in generosity. And so he raises the bar and he says what it's about is this daring, frightening, courageous act of giving ourselves away. It's this trust-filled, full-hearted generosity in which we trust God with everything that he's entrusted us and that's what it's about. So he returns it there to the root and he cuts right to the heart of it. Just like he does all the time. All the time. And so we see then, in the wake of the life and ministry and the death and resurrection of Jesus, we see the, the very first church in Acts chapter 2. And this is like the blueprint, right? This is like the DNA, the pattern of what the church is supposed to look like. And so in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, it spells out for us these marks of what the church looked like in this new reality set up by Jesus, in the new normal of what it means to live a life like the life of Jesus. And, and so all of these things that where the church is marked, it's marked by devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, devoting themselves to prayer, devoting themselves to each other. And then right there, in chapter 2, verse 45, it says this. It says that the church was marked by this. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as they had need. That is radical. That, that is a ridiculous thought. That is a ridiculous thought. And this idea of giving away all that you have to make sure that everyone in need around you has what they need. Amazing. This radical hospitality. We talk about this idea a lot at our church that we want to be marked by reckless love and radical hospitality. <clears throat> it's beautiful that that mark was alive and pulsing there in the earliest church. It made such an impact on the culture around them. It was this grassroots, underground kind of thing that was happening that they weren't publicizing. They were just taking care of the people around them. It was just natural for them. Natural outflow, Right? But it began to, to reshape their culture in such a way that word got all the way up to the Roman emperor himself. And so history records him saying, uh, the Roman emperor Julian marveling at them and saying this, their success lies in their charity to strangers. And he refers to them as the impious. Okay, And because they were the Christians of that day were known as pagan and atheists because they didn't serve the Roman gods. So he refers to these impious atheists and pagans, the Christians is what he means, that, that support both their own poor and our poor as well. He was amazed by it. He was amazed by it. There's nothing more compelling than the story of a people who give themselves away. And it began to reshape the whole culture. 
And so here we have the Roman Empire marked by its prosperity, right, and its power. The empire, full of its prosperity, only brought oppression. On the flip side, the kingdom, marked by its poverty, lived with generosity. Compelling story. Amazing. This is ridiculous. So there were this countercultural movement, and this phenomenon that swept through the Roman Empire. They were marked by it. Another uh, first century writer describes the Christians in this way. He says, they refused to share their beds, but they freely shared their tables. And in this culture of promiscuity, they were marked by the generosity <coughs> of not giving away their bodies, but giving away their possessions. They refused to share their beds, but they freely shared their tables. And a writer named Tim Keller sums it up like this. They were promiscuous with their money. <laughs> right? They were promiscuous with their money. They gave themselves away radically and freely, and it completely changed the culture that they were living in. The story was inescapable. You couldn't help but notice there was something different about these people. Now, now understand here, when we talk about that, the idea of promiscuous generosity, listen, Absolutely, you need to manage your money. Okay, be wise with your money with what God's entrusted you with. Be wise, manage your money. But just be careful that your money doesn't manage you. It's very easy for that role to slip and for you to begin to serve your money and every decision run through that funnel of, well, I don't know if we can really afford this. You've got to manage your money, but don't let your money manage you. (laughs) The first Christians were marked by this idea of generosity. And we want to be marked by that as well in this community. So this sermon today, listen, it is not about filling the baskets. Okay? It is about shaping our hearts by the heart of Jesus. And this is not about trying next week to see an immediate spike in what is coming in. Okay? We intentionally did the offering before the message, okay? We're not trying to manipulate anybody into anything here, okay? Not at all. So we don't want to see, we're not trying to see just some kind of immediate spike in the income of this church. Absolutely not. We want a long-term view of all of our lives and shaping and fashioning and awakening a generous community in the way that we live. A community that gives ourselves away in such a way that's inescapable. That people cannot help but recognize there is something different about these strange people. We are strange people. Uh, So from the very earliest days in the planning of what this church might look like, the earliest days of Love Chapel Hill, we wanted to be a church that gives itself away. The church is not about trying to make money, but the church is about expanding the kingdom. So how do we do that? As a church, we made this commitment early on, before even the first check came in to help make this happen. We made the commitment to say we're going to give at least 10% outside of us. We're going to give away that which, which comes in so that we can help expand the kingdom outside of what's happening right here. And so we support other church plants. We actually have helped, um, financially helped uh, churches in Wilmington 
uh, a church in Ashboro, a church in Greensboro, a church in New Zealand, and we're actually going to start um, supporting a church in Raleigh, you've heard us talk about, that's, that's just getting started. So we want to make that commitment, and we want you guys to push us in it. Ask us, how are we giving ourselves away? Because that's what we want to be about. We want Love Chapel Hill to be known as this group of people who willingly gives themselves for the kingdom. So the other side of that too, if we're gonna ask, if we're gonna ask people to make the investment, to give even 10% of their income to be a part of that, then we should be willing to model it. We should be willing to step out and say, this is this is how it's done. And let me tell you, it's not always easy. The same way that us personally, that we struggle when, when things get tight, when church finances get tight, it's hard to write a check to give somewhere else, you know, when we've got other bills to pay. It's difficult. Like, it's a struggle. But we call this thing an experiment in grace. That's exactly what it is. We are learning every step of the way how we continue to grow and shape a generous community. And so maybe personally, uh, maybe 10% is, is tough to start. That's okay. For some reason, I myself, I come to it with this mentality of all or nothing. If I can't give 10%, then why would I give, you know? But it doesn't have to be that. Start small. We are all about starting small around here. So start small. Maybe it's 5%. Maybe it's just setting aside $5 a week, something like that. But each and every person has the ability to give, just like we see, see the widow give from her place of poverty. We have the opportunity to be a part of expanding God's kingdom. So it's not all or nothing. We can start right here and right now with whatever we have. So generosity. It's this thing that, it is almost this key indicator of, of how active our faith is. We can look at it and, and see where every dollar goes, right? So generosity is not, not only about our finances. Generosity is about all of our resources. But our finances are often that, that key indicator we can look at and see See just how we're doing. See how our, our finances are being spent and understand like how generous we are being, being in that. So we have to look at that larger picture. We look at the larger picture of what generosity is, our entire household, not just our finances. I've got to tell you, and I've got to warn you, that living generously has dangers to it. It's a dangerous <coughs> thing to live a generous life. It's messy because there are people involved. There are relationships, interpersonal communication. It gets messy, right? Because generosity doesn't really just let us drop $2 at the corner and say, have a nice day. Generosity moves us to this place of investing in relationships, building relationships with the people that we help and in turn, those people somehow help us. It's a crazy thing to see it play out. It makes us open and vulnerable. It leaves us out there to be taken advantage of. 
when we humble ourselves and we, we live a generous life, it in a sense gives people power over us because we are submitting. We are submitting our finances, everything that we have, to what God wants to do. And so it makes us incredibly vulnerable. Think about the widow and her offering. There she is giving everything. It says giving all that she had to live on. But what do we know about the religious community of that day? What do we know about Jewish leadership in that day? There's corruption, right? So this woman faithfully, faithfully gives fully. But we know that, that the money was probably squandered, put away, spent on something that was not of the kingdom. She put herself out there and was taken, taken advantage of. <coughs> it's the same way today, right? I mean, think about how many times in the news we've heard of, of charities, of people who, who have embezzled, who have had corruption in their, in their leadership. People and organizations, even the church, has this reputation. We will take advantage of you at any given opportunity. I've got a friend who was, who was in a town with a, a pretty sizable homeless population and was walking down the street. Passed several folks on the street. One particular gentleman asked for $10. He said, I'm hungry, I need something to eat. And she was moved right there and then to actually give, give him the $10. And so she went on, um, just wanted to be helpful, felt that it was, was important to actually do that for this, this man's request. She walks into a store, walks back out after she's done shopping. Same man, same story, asked for $10. She was taken advantage of. She, she willingly, willingly gave, was obedient to the prompting in her spirit to give this $10. But the man didn't recognize her. And so ask again. Here's the crazy thing. Jesus says, give to the one who asks. Don't turn away from anyone who wants to borrow from you. What in the world do we do with that? What do we do with that? If we've got people who ask us time and time again, the same person asks us, what do we do with that? Let me first of all say it's not always money. Money is not always the answer. There's a deeper need. And so we as a leadership team have, have a pretty tight policy that we just do not give money on the street. Because we know that there are deeper needs. And we are incredibly willing to just step out and, and get a meal, meet those needs at their core. But it's not always about the money. So we have to look past that, right? There's another danger in living a generous life. It's, it's the self satisfaction, the self-gratification that possibly comes with it, we have to check our motivations, right? Why are we giving? Are we giving for ourselves? If generosity is, is so much bigger, 
It can't be about us. Generosity is about bringing glory to the Father. We see it time and time again just throughout Scripture. <clears throat> the giving is not about the giver. It's about the glory of God in his display. Generosity is, is this crazy way that the kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. It's putting our money where our mission is. And what is our mission? To love Chapel Hill with the heart of Jesus. That's where we want to put the money. <coughs> we get the opportunity to show generosity in the same way that God shows us generosity. Pouring out his love so freely that we can all receive. That's the generosity that we, we get to live out. And so where do we start? How do we start becoming a more generous community? How do we shape ourselves into a generous community? Ask yourself this question. Where do my resources go? How am I spending what I have? We have the opportunity to, to just look and see actually every single dollar. Where does it go? Our finances are an indicator of our, our faith and our generosity. We have the opportunity to just kind of kind of look. Maybe take this week. You're going to get a handout as, as you leave today. It's going to ask some of these questions. Like just kind of where do my resources go? That kind of thing. But on the back, there's actually an opportunity if you this week just want to find out where your money goes. Track your expenses, your purchases, and then ask this question. How does it reflect my faith? Or does it reflect my faith? It's a tough question. It's something that's difficult for all of us, because believe me, it's scary when you find out where your money goes. I like to eat out a lot. Um, I don't know what's with that. But so ask, ask those questions. Just to encourage you to do that this week. If you follow along the reader on the blog, there'll probably be some questions coming up on that this week. Just trying to, to get us to think, how, how are we living this out? Am I being generous? Am I living a generous life? How can I maybe be more generous? Because if it's, if it's true that, that generosity is about God's glory and generosity is about the kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven, then that's what we want to pursue. That's what we want to be about. That's what we want to be about as a church, and that's what we want to be about with our own lives. So let's do it, all right? Cool, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your rich generosity that you have poured out on us, for the way that you demonstrated this. You were broken and poured out, gave the last bit of who you are. Um, I pray that you would just shape us into that kind of community, that we would be the kind of church that gives ourselves away, um, that we would, as Justin said, put our money where our mission is, and that you would just capture our hearts um, with this desire to be kind of place, like the, like the earliest Christians were, that completely upset and upended their culture, 
um, that were lived a compelling story in their culture, captured the imagination of their communities by the way that they gave themselves away. Help us be marked by that as a dangerous prayer. For I pray you give us the courage to pray it and, um, and the willingness to obey when you lead us into it. We love you. We thank you. We are grateful for all that you've given us. And we pray that you would help us to respond with our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen.